great to just enjoy the Lord's presence through music together. Yeah, I love being with Jesus through music together. I think that Jonas Brothers concert had nothing on that, right? Go. Amen. Um, housekeeping before we jump into this message. From the last message, uh, just just wanted to make sure no one no one is feeling um, any shame. Like they're feeling like oh, I feel man I'm not being with Jesus enough and just kind of feeling like that, that is causing them shame. If so, if that um, that's not coming from the Lord, maybe it was coming from something I misspoke or said, or coming from the enemy. And I just want to talk just quick before I jumped in the difference between conviction and condemnation. And so you could be hearing the exact same thing uh, and, and have this have this feeling of, all right, man, he's right. I'm, not, I'm always just like selfishly present. You might be like, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm selfishly present. I'm not present. I'm totally addicted to these things. And you can feel broken and you can feel this conviction. But conviction from the Holy Spirit, conviction from God, always leads to this light at the end of the tunnel. The gospel is called good news. And so conviction will always lead to this good newsing. Where you might feel like, man, I'm, I'm totally broken in this area. I'm messed up in this area. I need help in this area. But you also have this sense of, man, and Jesus loves me. And he's with me. And he's forgiven me. And he's showing me a new way. And he's showing me life. Where condemnation can have all the same, it can be about all the exact same things, but there'll be this feeling of shame and guilt and you're not enough and you'll feel like there is no light or hope at the end of the tunnel. And those differences, the scripture says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes. So if you belong to him and... You just feel like, man, I am constantly aware of God's presence. And you're just like, yes, amazing. Praise God. Or you belong to him and you're like, you know what? I haven't been aware of God's presence or desiring it in ages. But he is still with you. He still loves you. And there's still zero condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good news? Yeah. And it was pointed to me. It had some helpful feedback, too. It was pointed out to me that um, I might have said a couple things that makes it sound like when we're not aware of God's presence, he's not with us. But let me just uh, make sure that it's very clear that when Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That if you are a follower of Jesus, that his spirit is with you, even if you're aware of it and seeking it out or not. Isn't that good news? Yeah. That even those times we're forgetting or those times we're falling back into bad habits or those times where we're just being lazy or those times where we're just going through the motions He's still with us, loving us, pursuing us, inviting us to become aware of his goodness and presence. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray and jump into what we have next. Jesus, we just thank you so much for this time. And God, I'm just so thankful for this group of men and women uh, and their friendship, their friendship with my kids and my family. Lord, it's still so blessed to get to gather together. And just recreate and laugh and play sports and sing songs and eat meals. And what a privilege, Jesus. We just thank you for this time. 
Lord, I thank you for how I get to experience your presence through uh, the men and women in this room, new relationships and old relationships. And what a gift, Jesus. So thankful. Thankful for your love for us. Man, that you love us. That you loved us. Your scripture says you loved us while we were still enemies. While we were still in rebellion. While we still didn't. That you loved us enough to die for us. Man, that we are beloved. You call us your beloved. Thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, uh, if you have your Bibles, let's go to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. So we kind of talked about this idea of being with Jesus, becoming aware of his presence, and we want to talk about learning to be of Jesus together. And what does it look like when we're practicing this together as a community, as God's people together? And Acts 2, 42 through 47 is one of the more famous passages on what life as the church and life as God's people and God's community can look like. What, what it looks like when a group of men and women and boys and girls and young and old and people from different races and even different languages and backgrounds and different stories, when they come together around the gospel. When they begin to learn to be with Jesus together, a picture of what that looks like and what their kind of lifestyle looks like. Um, one, we stand for the reading of God's word. Acts 2, 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking bread of, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is God's word. Thank you. All right. You guys can There's this word in the Old Testament that we translate to one, um, and there's this famous prayer in, in the Old Testament that is called the Shema. In the Shema, the Israelite people, God's people, would pray this. They pray this prayer three times a day, and it says, Hear, O Israel, um, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, and that word one there, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, actually, the, if you look at it, anytime you see in the Bible when Lord is spelled all capitals, that's actually saying God's name. It's saying Yahweh. So it's saying Yahweh our God, Yahweh is one. Um, and that word one is actually the word akah. And, it, and it, means that it, it, means, it means relationships infused together at the deepest level. Another place that we see this word akad is actually in Genesis 1 when God creates the man and the woman and it says the two will become akad. This oneness 
this infusion of multiple lives, this mingling of souls, is this reflection of the mingling of soul, of the mingling of the Father, Son, and Spirit. That their perfect oneness, their akkad, their harmony, their peace, their love, their joy, is now to be mirrored and reflected in marriage. That he gives them this gift to have this ikhah, this, this communion, this oneness. And God's plan has always been for to have a people that would be that would share in this oneness. That would share in this harmony and this love and this mutual honor and this mutual reverence. The Father, Son, and Spirit have never sinned against each other. They've never struggled with comparison or competition. They've never slandered each other or gossiped each other. They've never spoken behind each other's back or tried to one-up the other person. They've never spoken with sarcasm or gossip or slander. Ever. In the history of eternity past, it won't happen for the eternity future. Just always a mutual reverence, honoring, lifting up of the other, and a forever pouring into the other with love and affection. Isn't that amazing? And now our God, through the gospel, invites us to come into that relationship, into that harmony of the Father, Son, and Spirit, to share in Ikhad. And I think that's some of what we're beginning to see in Acts 2, 42 through 47. We begin to see a people that have been awakened by the gospel, filled with the Holy Spirit, and are now sharing in this oneness with the Father, Son, and Spirit, and with one another. It's pretty cool. And so what does that lifestyle look like? Uh, I think it looks like a simple and shared life. A simple and shared life. But that is just kind of the pattern of what we see in 242 through 47. It starts off with uh, verse 42, they devoted themselves, so you'll see a devotion to really three things. The apostles' teaching, which for us now would be God's word, the Bible, and the fellowship. So they devoted themselves to, this, this, to community with one another, living, living this shared life together. The breaking of bread and the prayers. And they devoted themselves to prayer. Sharing meals. Some say this is just sharing meals. Some say it's specifically sharing communion and sharing in the, um, the breaking of bread and the sharing of wine to com commemorate Jesus' death on their behalf. Theologians debate if they're just talking about sharing meals in general or sharing that meal specifically. But there's this, this sharedness around Christ and what he's done. I love this word devoted. Devoted to prayer. Devoted. To the apostles' teaching, devoted to community. What is devotion? I think of like like a fish is devoted to water, right? Like a lion is devoted to meat. Like if you give a lion salad, he starves, right? It's just thanks. What I do with this? I don't not eat it. Right? Now, what does it look like to have? A simple and shared life where our priorities flow out of this devotion to prayer, word, and this, this, shared, this shared life together.
devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And this devotion to the apostles' teaching, it is, it is a devotion to a story that is bigger than me. Right? They're, they're jumping into this, into this story of God. They're moving into something bigger than it's just me, me, me. When I was about a year into uh, my marriage uh, with my wife, a year into my marriage, I was kind of, I was raised in the church, but this time it was like a very, um, like, uh, I'd say like maybe we'd go to church if there was a good sports game on. I'd say I believed in God, but probably what I worshipped was sports and sports television. I was working in sports television, and that was kind of what had like my heart and my passion. And I had this mentor, and... Uh, he was kind of teaching us how to uh, essentially compartmentalize our lives, to have things in order. He was he was wealthy. He he invented uh, this drink called the Frappuccino, which you might have heard of. Um, he invented a thing called Via Instant Coffee. So Via is short for Valencia. His name is Don Valencia, um, and. Any Bob Goff fans, there's a chapter on him in his book, Love Does. Uh, chapter 2021. 20, um, one of those. And he would meet with a group of us guys that were really young adults. He was really meeting with a group of young adults, people that had essentially graduated college. And he was trying to show us, like, how do you, you know, be married and have a good family, do charitable things, and be successful in career. And we were trying to kind of learn these things from him. One day he meets with us, and he meets with us. I remember we're sitting on the couch, and there's about 15 of us, and this week he, it was usually just guys, and he had us bring our spouses. So we're like, okay, we'll bring our spouses to this. So if you had a spouse, you brought your spouse. And he sat with us, and he just said, um, he said, two weeks ago, I found out that I have cancer. He said, I found out I have cancer, and then I have two months to live. Mm. And I remember just all of us just think, sad. sad, yeah, shocked to the core. And then he said this, um, and this is probably the statement that most changed my whole life, really. He said, if I could go back the two weeks and not have this cancer, I would not do it. He said, for this past two weeks, I have just lived to love Jesus and love others. He says, forget everything else I've ever taught you guys or told you guys. Live like you have two months to live. Live like you have two months to live. And we left there, just rocked, and I remember just praying, like, Lord, show me what does it look like to live like I have two months to live. And God got a hold of my heart and flipped around all of my priorities flipped this world upside down and things I was once devoted to, sports and sports television and just my own self. The story I was a part of, which was this story that was just about me, it got flipped around and I got invited into this bigger story. My mentor ended up living for one year exactly, almost exactly one year. He went from, I watched him go from like peak health, like this guy was a mountain climber. He had just run a marathon a few months before that and he went from that to a wheelchair and just like that. 
And the entire time he, he called, he called it dancing on the edge of heaven. We watched him suffer, and whether he'd get a good report from the doctors or a terrible report from the doctor, he would say, I'm dancing on the edge of heaven. He's got, I got one foot here with you guys. One foot already with him. That means he no And he said, live like you have two months to live. And it was awesome yesterday when I said, God is good. And some of you guys said all the time. And he would, in every single update, no matter how terrible the news was, you know, sometimes we'd be praying and praying, like, man, we wanted healing. Sometimes you'd get a positive report, other times the report would come back, and it'd be, it'd be bad. It'd be bad, like, I'm in pain, I'm suffering, and doctors said things have gotten way worse, and what we were really hoping would work didn't work at all. And he would just lay it all out, and then he would end every single email, every single update message, he would end it. God is good all the time. God is good. And I had this semblance of a belief before that, but when I watched him suffer with Christ by his side and suffer well, that changed my entire life. At his funeral, they got to share a story. Over 800 people showed up. They gave away over 800 Bibles. And I have no idea like, how many lives that his suffering and death impacted. I know it impacted mine. And from his witness, my priorities completely transitioned. The word of God came alive. Prayer came alive. Because I wanted what he had without the cancer. And that's what he wanted for us. That was what he said. He says, I want you to experience what I am experiencing without having to take cancer. He says, I want you to be able to live like you have two months to live, but have a whole life to live. And oftentimes it takes tragedy to flip our priorities around, doesn't it? But God is inviting us to say, man, you can enjoy God. You can live to love God and love others. This is what the scriptures call the great commandment. Jesus called it the greatest commandment. He called it the first commandment. Scripture calls it the royal commandment. Scripture says this is the summary of the whole thing. You want to know all the law and the prophets? You want to know what it's about? Loving Jesus and loving others. That's the whole thing. And now we can live into that right now. It doesn't have to take tragedy. It doesn't have to take suffering. He's inviting us to experience his goodness and live that and share that right where we're at right now. And in Acts 2, 42 through 47, I think that's what we're seeing. They're loving Jesus. They're just devoted. It's like, no, I want to hear Jesus' word. I want to fellowship with Jesus' people. I want to remember Jesus' death by breaking the bread. And sharing the wine. And it said, as people saw this communion, as people saw this togetherness, as they saw the people devoted to walking with Jesus together, this is all came upon every soul. And many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. Then it says, all who believed were together and had all things in common. You see this lifestyle. You see how simple it is. It's like prayer. We all know that. Like we're not... No one's coming into this and just like, oh my goodness, this retreat speaker, like, you're not going to believe it. He told us, he told us, like, pray. <laughs> like, we're just, like, we never thought of this before. And then he was, he was like, read the Bible. What? And we're just, oh man, this is it, this is it. You should 
hear this guy? Pray and read the Bible. Right? But there but when we when we enter into it with God, it's nothing new here. This is ancient stuff. This is ancient stuff. And it's really, it is, it's there's there's such simplicity to it. But they have this very simple, devoted life. It's devoted to one another. It's devoted to God's word. It was devoted to prayer. And devoted to breaking bread together. That's it. Not a, No seminary degrees in there. No, like, you're going to sign up for these, like, eight mission trips. You've got you to, you know, read through systematic theology three times. Like, none of that's in there. It's it's simple, and then it's shared. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now, I've seen followers of Jesus give other followers of Jesus their car. Not just, like, to borrow, but, like, hey, take it. Take it. I've seen followers of Jesus rally together to help pay off other followers of Jesus' debt. You have $100,000 debt in school loans. All right, well, if we have a community of 50, 60 believers, and we all start pitching into that monthly, and you want to have a good gospel conversation, start talking about paying off each other's debts. Because here's what it looks like, the conversation looks like. <laughs> looks a little something, I can't accept your money. You guys can't do that for me. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. This is... Like, I got to pay that. I got to pay that. Okay, okay, you, I get that. You made all the dumb mistakes. You got into this bad debt. You, et cetera, et cetera. Are you okay with Christ paying your eternal debt? Because that's a way, way bigger debt. And they said, well, I get, I, or do you think this debt is bigger than that debt? And all of a sudden you can receive love from God's people. And it goes the other way as well, because for example, well, I got my finances in order. And you know, like how many people pull me aside and be like, we were walking journey through this together, and be like, think they're just done with their finances. Are you gonna like are you gonna keep wasting minutes? And we had a process we'd walk through together and be like, all right, well, let's help them with their finances. Usually that person would be like, all right, you're now their financial coach. <laughs> like, let's help them help them get this in order. You're right, it's confident. You're right, they have bad habits, you're right. They made a whole load of terrible decisions to get to that point. And then I'd say, has Christ paid off your debt? Is your debt worse than hers? Is your spiritual debt worse than hers? And all of a sudden, people realize, no, this debt is shared. Like if one person is hurting in our church family, we're all hurting. If the tide rises, we all rise. One person's doing great, we're all celebrating with them. Right? We're sharing in each other's trials and we're sharing in each other's triumphs. We're, we're beginning to do this life together. The good parts, the bad parts, the ugly parts, is that's a shared life. They have all things in common. It's radical. And we did. We saw quite a few people get their debt paid off. And it was awesome. It was really awesome. Let me tell you this, though. We helped pay off some people's debt who did turn around and get in far worse debt. And it was discouraging. But how many times has Christ paid our spiritual debt just for us to turn around and waste it? Do we stop then? 
Do we just go, oh, crap. Like, we're not being generous anymore because look what they just did. We, I was not planning on sharing this. But we once gave generous to a friend of ours, and then later they're just like, yeah, we decided we're going to file bankruptcy. And I'm like, what about that, like, money we gave you? <laughs> you know? But it's gone. You give it to the Lord. He does with it what he wants with it. It's not wasted. It's not wasted. If you're sharing things with others, then they're going to sometimes break those things. They're going to ruin those things. Share your home with others. Your home is going to be a mess. It's going to be, there's stuff is going to get broken. Things are going to go nuts. There it is. But what did it cost Christ for him to share his home with us? What did it cost our Heavenly Father to open up the heavens for us? His, his one and only Son. You want to talk about costly hospitality? For the Heavenly Father to be hospitable to us, he had to be separated from his one and only Son. That perfect harmony, that kindness, for some mysterious moments, how long, we don't understand, but for some moments on the cross when Jesus is crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's what it costs the Father to be hospitable to us. So yeah, hospitality, a shared life, it is costly. It is going to cost you time. It's going to cost you your things. It's going to cost you, but man, do you think if we started to live this way, it might bring about awe and wonder to those around us? You know what happened when people started, like, non-Christians in our community found out, like, some of their friends were debt-free, or they're just like, hey, where'd you get this car? Oh, people in our church gave it to us. To borrow? Permanently, yes. <laughs> Why? Why? Well, because they believe God has been so generous to them that, that we just naturally share and overflow they, because they didn't believe it was theirs. The thing that will kill a simple and shared life are the lies of mine and more. The things that will kill a simple and shared life are the lies of mine and more. Mine, 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 mine. I bought that. I earned that. That's mine. Like Ninety-seven percent of my kids' fights have that word involved. <laughs> and we've tried to teach them this phrase where we'll ask, I'll say, that's mine, that's mine, fighting, 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 and we'll ask them, well, who, do, who does it belong to? Rosie, who does it belong to? Jesus. <laughs> she had no idea what I asked, right? <laughs> Jesus. That's right, that's the answer. That's the answer. Who does our stuff belong to? This is, it is a simple phrase, but insanely powerful if you start asking that with your stuff. Who does it belong to? Who does your money belong to? Your time belong to? Your possessions belong to? They belong to Jesus. And if they belong to Jesus, then we can hold them very open-handedly with the heart to share them with God's people and say, man, we had conversations sometimes where we'll come together in community and say, what are everyone's things that they have? Write them down on a whiteboard, talk about them and go, okay, guys, look around. This is what we have together. Okay. We have a couple trucks, we have two houses, some people are renting, we own these ones, and we begin to think 
begin to start thinking like this is what we have together. Rather than like, well, Michael's got one car and a couple things closed. I have a car and Max got a truck or whatever. We just say, oh, like our community has two cars, a truck, and, 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 and two houses and some property over here. And so it all belongs to God. We're God's people. And if you begin to think of it that way, it changes the way that you make practical decisions. Because it's no longer like, well, this will inconvenience me. or Because how many of us, you want to share something? Sharing something is inconvenient. But if it's God's and it's stewardship, it, it's a completely different mindset. We say no to the lies of mine and say no to the lies of more. And that will help us get to live the joy of a simple and shared life. Storage in America. The storage industry. 100 in $54 billion industry. Storing our stuff. Storing our stuff. $154 billion. That's not including the, the cost of the stuff that's in the storage. That's just what we in America are paying to store our stuff. Like imagine... Not only imagine if you took that stuff and gave it away, just imagine if you took the money you would save on storage as America and gave it away to those that were hungry or needy. $154 billion to, to help the hungry and the poor and the needy. You begin to see how in Acts 2.42 through 47... They have this phrase, and they were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. As any had need. You say, hey, there's a need. What can we do here? Well, we got $154 billion worth of But how do we get there? That's what we got we to back up. How do we get to the spot where we will... Pay $154 billion just to store our stuff. Again, that's not talking about the amount of money we've spent on the stuff that we are storing and the amount of money we've spent on the stuff that we actually want to use so we get this stuff out of our way in order to store it, right? We get there by believing the lies of mine and more. This is a cultural lie that we must begin to gain discernment for. It is, it, is being, it is being thrown at you all day, every day. You need more, you need more, you need more, you need more. You need more coffee, you need more clothes, you need the next phone, you need more apps on your phone, you need more, more, more. You need to watch more of this, you need to download this, you need to subscribe to this, you need more of this, right? You need more clothes in your closet. You need more, 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 more. It's all day, every day. And if we are believing the lies that I need more and this is mine, it will be possible to live a simple and shared life. Because we don't have time for a simple life if we're constantly trying to gain more. And we won't be able to live a shared life if everything is mine. This simple and shared life was attractive to all who saw it. Acts 2, 247. 
was praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Man, can you imagine it? In a culture where we're just surrounded by the lies of mine and more, if a group of people stood up and were just like, I'm content with what I have. I'm great, grateful for what I have. And I'm just going to enjoy it simply and share it with others. And you think people that would, people begin to notice that. So they're just adding to their number daily as they witness this simple and shared life. So great, a simple and shared life, but what about when life gets complicated? What do we do when life gets complicated? We handle life's complications by simply sharing them with God and others. See, when your life gets complicated and you are all alone, isolated, living in this mind and more life, then your complications are just yours as well. But if you've been living in a shared life and complications hit the, hit the ground, then these things become less complicated because you're sharing them amongst the community. Right? Oh, man, just, we just blew out our car. I got to get to work tomorrow. I don't have an extra car. What am I going to do? If it's just you, hey. But all of a sudden you have a group of drivers. We've got over 100 people here. All of a sudden you, you, you reach out and... Within thriving, it's like, man, we've got this need. And someone's like, I ain't got a car I'm not using. I got a bus pass you can have. I have extra money to help you here. All of a sudden, this complication of life, because life is complicated. It throws unpredictable things at you all the time. But as God's people, we are not in this life alone. We are doing this together with God and with his people. This shared life. This, this good and beautiful community. Amen? So we start by simply sharing life with God and others. And we continue by receiving the love of Jesus who lived a simple and shared life for us. See, it's not all on me. We receive grace. We receive love. We receive forgiveness. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Next, we get to prioritize what the early church prioritized. Prayer, word, being God's people together. Rosie, you need to sit. Sit still, baby. Gracias. Here's some things that are helpful. Um, with prayer, prayer does not have to you know, I used the example earlier and the earlier message of like the Jonas brothers and, the, and having that desire for them to come out and how that's worship. But worship isn't always like, it's not, you don't have to be at teenage girl emotion to be experiencing God's presence, right? We can experience God's presence in just the, the very day in and day out. Some of you are less emotional human beings. You're never going to experience his presence that, that emotional. Uh, it's just not how God has wired you. But you might experience him extremely deeply. And like I've had friends that are just mature men and mature women of God who aren't overly emotional. And they'll just be like, man, I was so overwhelmed with God's presence today. And I'm like, wait, you were? <laughs> yeah. 
in the pocket, sitting there, maybe wrote down a note, and we're just like blown away. God was with me, ministering me. I'm more emotional, you guys might have caught that by now. <laughs> so I'll be like the snot cry, like, God, I was with you. But not all the time. Not all the time. This, this life of devotion to prayer, it, it, it begins to be just this way that you walk with him. And you can pray as you head into things. And sometimes prayer is on our knees, pouring our heart out with the scripture. It's just going, and sometimes it's, hey, God, I'm about to head to this meeting. Just, just help me in this. Sometimes it's just, man, it is a beautiful day today. Thank you, God. Your creation is beautiful. Your people are beautiful. When we were up here singing, the worship time was singing, I, did, I had an emotional moment. Some emotional, I already shared that. I had this moment of just where, and I was just like, man, this, this is just such a beautiful group of people. And I just thought, God, this is such a beautiful group of people. Thank you. Thank you for this group. And I thought of Tim and Karen, who are here tonight, and I just thought, man, it's some, they, they took a step of faith. There's none, nobody was there. Just took a step of faith, and now there's two beautiful communities coming together, and others from other places, too. And God has created this good and beautiful community. And I just thought, thank you, God. So I can thank you for every person in this room, and I just thought, thank you for Tim and Karen taking this step of faith. But this... Their, their act of faith, sometimes this one, it can seem like a simple act of faith, can just have these ripples for generations and generations and decades and decades and can leave this legacy. So sometimes prayer is on your knees, pouring your heart out. Sometimes it's these simple things. Sometimes word is like deep study. Sometimes it's just memorizing a scripture, chewing on it throughout the day. Sometimes it's just taking this moment. But as we're learning to be with Jesus, one of the ways that we're doing it is just that kind of simply asking him to help us be aware that he is with us. Being aware why you're at work, why you're doing the dishes, why you're in school, when you're alone, when you're with people, when you're gathering to worship. Like, God, we're, we're coming together to be with you. Learning to be with him in all of these different things. Like I said before, he's with us. We're growing in our awareness, and we grow in that through prayer. And when we come together, it's such a powerful way to experience His presence is by praying with and for one another. It's just it's such a beautiful way that we get to experience that. And here's a couple, I, I, I can't remember where who said this, um, but it has always been helpful to me. Um, it's just this idea of pray until you pray. Pray until you pray. You ever start trying to pray and you just know you didn't pray? You're just like, uh, dear God, blah, 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 I'm, not, I'm not here right now. And, and I'm not into it. Or with this, like I said, you're not always emotionally into it. But begin praying until you pray. Whether it's those short arrow prayers, that that starts to become the way you just process life is by speaking with God. Or those times where you are looking for this just deeper, intimate time with Him. And you start off and you're like, this isn't, I'm not. And then just keep praying until your heart begins to open up and you. And are praying on what we really are feeling and chewing on and thinking on and learning. Pray until you pray. Commune until you commune. Listen until you listen. Listen until you listen. That's what I need to do. Amen.
subscribe. Say no to the lies of mine and more. Mine and more steal a simple and shared life, a life with Jesus together. Thrive, we won't and haven't lived a perfectly simple and shared life. We won't and haven't lived it, right? But Jesus has. He became a human to live how humans were created to live. And to do that as our substitute. He came to live in your place. And he came to die the death that we deserve for all the times that we've looked at God and said, God, that's not yours, that's mine. For all the times we've said, God, you have not given me enough, I need more. That is war against the king. It is deserving of death. It is deserving of eternal separation. And Jesus took that death and separation for us. Amazing. He always said no to the lies of mine and more. And then took the penalty as if he had always said yes. For us. For us. So that we could enter in relationship with the Father, Son, and Spirit. And experience a deeply intimate, simple, and shared life with him. He gave his own life to share his righteousness with you. He shares his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven with you. Jesus shares the love of his heavenly Father with you. He shares eternal life with you. He shares his love with you. He has invited you into a cot, into oneness. In his Father's house, there are many rooms, and they are shared with you. He shares his inheritance with you. He says we'll get to share in his glory. We'll be glorified beings. Unreal. But this stuff is it's ridiculous. But the Bible says it's true. He has shared all of this with us. You are invited into a simple and shared life. And it's not so you miss out. It's not like, oh man, this is a drag. Listen to Acts 2, chapter 2, verse 28. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. It is so that we can know infinite joy. He's teaching us to say no to the lies of mine and more. So that we could have more and more and more of him in his joy. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, yeah, I just thank you for this community that desires to be with you together. Lord, I can... Just in what they've shared with me, and stories, and words, and times of worship together, Lord, just know that... These are men and women that are hungry to be with you. I just thank you for them, God. Lord, we thank you that you shared life with us even though it cost you so much. We thank you that you love us, that we are loved, that we are your beloved. Help us, Lord, to say no to the lies of mine and more. It's not easy for us. Lord, we're, we are weak in our flesh. We are so weak. But where we are weak, you are strong. Lord, we thank you that the Holy Spirit who is in us and dwelling with us 
has never said yes to sin. We may have said yes to it a zillion times, but guess what? There's one in us making us new who has never said yes to sin. Help us to walk by the Spirit and be led by the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit and abide so that we might experience the fruits of the Spirit. And help us to know the joy of a simple and shared life and use that to draw others to yourself, to your people. We love you. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.